Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, there may be no better confluence of events than Halloween and All Saints Day to preach the doctrine of law and gospel or to proclaim simul justus et peccator, that we are simultaneously saints and sinners. Halloween's focus on death gives us the law and reminds us that the wages of sin is death. Where All Saints Day gives us the gospel and proclaims Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. While Halloween reminds us that we are sinners for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, All Saints Day proclaims you are a saint, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Today, we observe All Saints Day, and we remember those saints who have gone on before us. But setting a day aside to remember the dead is certainly nothing original to Christianity. Some 2,000 years ago, the Celtic tribes of Ireland, Britain, and northern France believed that the dead would return during the festival of Samhain. Now, Samhain is most likely the basis for our Halloween today. It was the night before the celebration of the Celtic New Year on November 1st, and it marked the end of summer and the beginning of the cold, dark winter, a reminder to them of human death. This is not unlike the Mexican celebration of Dia de los Muertos, or the Day of the Dead. And for those of you who saw the movie Gladiator, starring Russell Crowe as the general Maximus Decimus Meridius, we see an example of ancient Roman ancestor worship when General Maximus is seen praying to his ancestors. Even today, our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters pray to the saints as intermediaries to take their prayers to God. But as Lutherans, we do not believe in ghosts like the Celtics. We do not pray to our ancestors like the ancient Romans. And we do not petition the saints to take our prayers to God like the Roman Catholics. So what is All Saints Day to us? Now the celebration of All Saints Day has evolved over the years the apostles, the early church martyrs, and the church fathers were all celebrated as saints at various times and locations dating back to the second century. Setting November 1st as the regular celebration of All Saints Day probably did not happen until Pope Gregory III in 741 AD. Now, in our Lutheran tradition at least, All Saints Day has become a day set aside where the church remembers all the Christian faithful, both known and unknown, who have been called home to their Lord, as we remember Lucy Martin and Betty Nibby from our family here at Redeemer. But does anything set this day apart from other forms of ancestor veneration we see around the world? It is certainly good that we set a day aside to remember the church triumphant, the saints who have gone on before us. But more than that, All Saints Day reminds you and me 
the church militant, that you are also saints, not by our own works, but by God's faithful word. In our reading from 1 John 3 this morning, we heard, see what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. God declares you are his child, a saint, and so you are. God speaks, and it is. This may seem like a mystery to the world, but we find countless examples of this throughout Scripture, starting at the very beginning of the Bible. In Genesis 1, God spoke creation into existence. And in Psalm 33, we read, For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. And this is not only found in the creation. In John 5, the pericope of healing the man invalid at the pool of Bethesda, Jesus says to the man, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And immediately, the man was made well, and he picked up his mat and began to walk. Jesus spoke, and it was. The man was healed. Furthermore, when you come to the table of the Lord for Holy Communion later this morning, you can be confident that you are receiving the true body and true blood of your Lord precisely because that is what he says that it is. In Matthew 26, we read, Take, eat, this is my body. And a little later, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood. Jesus spoke, and it is. And when God speaks, it has lasting power. In John 20, when Jesus appears to the disciples in the upper room after the resurrection, we read that Jesus breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Jesus' word is as true today as it was then. When pastor declares to you the absolution, when you hear the words of the declaration of grace, or when I proclaim to you from this pulpit, you are forgiven, be assured that you are forgiven precisely, exactly, and only because Jesus spoke and it is. God declares that you are his child, a saint, and so you are. And here, there is no equivocation, no hedging, no conditionality. God does not say you are his child if, if you dress a certain way for church, or if you come from the right family, or if, well, you can insert your own preferred precondition. We cannot deny that in the world, we like to put preconditions on entry into our relationship or even into our fellowships here at church. But Jesus tells us that whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And whatever you did not do to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And Jesus declares in Matthew 19, let the little children come to me. 
And Paul reminds us in his letter to the Galatians that there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You see, God sees no distinctions. He declares that we are his children. But our reading this morning also reminds us that what we will be has not yet appeared. We remain in our sin while in this life, which begs the question, God sees us as his children, but is that how we see each other? Or do we see, the wor- or do we see each other as the world does? When a homeless man walks up to you as you're enjoying a leisurely afternoon stroll on the Hoquarton Trail in downtown Tillamook, do you see a child of God or a nuisance to be avoided? Or in this overheated political climate, do you see your political party's rival or Facebook friend or friend in the pew next to you who has a different political persuasion as a child of God in need of love and forgiveness? or as an opponent simply to be vanquished, or in the midst of a church budget meeting, do you see your brethren as God's children deserving your love and forgiveness, or the source of your immediate frustration that morning whom you cannot wait to get away from? But know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Yes, we do fall victim to the trappings of this world. We often fail to see each other as children of the Father, but hope in the Lord, and he will give you new eyes to see him as he is and to see each other as fellow saints, as God sees us. On the day of the resurrection, you will have a new body, one free from sin and the taint of death. This is our hope in the Lord. This is the hope that is foreign to the world that does not know God. Now, earlier this year, you may remember that we prayed for Becky, the sister-in-law of me and Michelle. She was called home to her Lord in April, as you might remember, after a two-year battle with breast cancer. Becky was only 32 when she died. She leaves behind her husband, our brother Kyle, and their six-year-old son, Liam, who some of you might remember, a little red-headed boy worshiping with us in August. What some of you might not know about this family is that a year before Becky's diagnosis, thought this would be a little easier, I'm sorry. Um, A year before Becky's diagnosis, they also lost a child, their daughter, little Adeline Rose, after only about an hour of life outside of the womb. Becky and Adeline are now members of the church triumphant. But the world sees this only as a tragedy, and perhaps that would be, except Becky had hope. And Kyle has hope. In Becky's last days, she could articulate this hope to her family. And Kyle clings to that hope today, and even now, after all this, is considering entering the ministry to share God's word of hope. Becky 
and Adeline's bodies were weak and broken, corrupted by sin. But they will be raised anew on the day of the resurrection, free of cancer and free of sin. This is a strange thing, this hope to which we cling. It is alien to those who do not know God. And so we are alien to those who do not know God. The world does not know us because it does not know him. And because the world does not know him, it does not know this hope to which we cling. In this way, we are alien to the world. We see joy where the world sees sorrow. The world looks back at what was, whereas we have faith in the eternal. The world sees hope as an empty wish. We understand hope as the Greek elpis, as the joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. The world sees bodies that will decay and decompose. We know that we will be made holy, risen in the Lord with glorified bodies like Christ, free of sin and defect. This is our hope. We are given this hope in the waters of baptism where again God speaks and it is through water in, with, and under the word of God, God speaks and claims you as his child, as a forgiven member of his household, as a saint. You may hold firm to your baptismal certificate that while yes, you are a sinner in need of forgiveness, you are now at the same time a saint forgiven by the blood of Christ. I declare this to you not by my own authority, but by the authority and command of the word of God. God speaks, and it is. God proclaims, you are his child, counted among the saints, and so you are. No question. You, like the ones who have gone before, like Lucy and Betty and Becky and Adeline, are saints in the church of Christ. And now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.